turning your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 43 through 48 today. When I read, it's going to be from the New King James Version. But as I always say, whatever translation you are in, follow along, support, amen. Mark 9, verses 43 to 48. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing day that you have given us to worship you. We thank you, God, for our teenagers and for what you have done in their lives. We thank you, God, for our children. I can only envision that one day, uh, if you tarry, Lord, that one day our children will be off to camp and they'll be older and they'll be able to experience the same presence of God and uh, they'll be able to be touched. And it's amazing to be in your presence. And Lord, we are in your presence this morning. And I believe in the name of Jesus that you have a word for us. I believe in the name of Jesus that today is not a day that will be wasted. Uh, today is not a day that we will go through the motions of religion and church and service. But God, I believe that you are speaking to your people this morning. And so Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, help us to stay alert not sleeping, not slumbering, not thinking about other things, but Lord, focused on the Word of God, focused on you speaking to us. And so Lord, touch your people, touch us, move in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So last week we started uh, this uh, new message series called Eternity, Your Forever Home. We began by saying that everything in the Bible points toward eternity. And because God created us, everything within us cries out for our forever home. We said that in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that God has actually planted eternity inside of the human heart. And so basically, God has designed us to live in eternity and his work with us is not yet finished in this life. How many of you believe that God is still working? So he's not done. He's not finished yet. And so basically, we, we have all of eternity to experience God's perpetual blessings. And it is an awesome thing to look forward to. The Bible also teaches that there are only two eternal destinations. Heaven and hell. In Matthew 25, 46, Jesus said that some will go away into eternal punishment. That speaks of hell. But the righteous into eternal life, that speaks of heaven. And so the central message of the Bible related to eternity is that we, you and I, will actually freely choose in this life where we get to spend eternity. See, uh, this is a, 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 an important point here is God does not send us to heaven and God does not send us to hell. There is not a default that way where God forces us one way or the other. You and I, we choose where we're going to spend eternity and we do it in this life today. How many of you know that? We do it today. And so last week, we spent some time in Revelation 21 highlighting the fact that, number one, heaven is real. How many of you know that heaven is real? And so it's not a fairy tale, and it's not a state of mind, and it's not a, a figment of your imagination, but you and I, we will be able to touch and, and feel and walk and experience heaven as a real deal destination. We also said that, number two, heaven is righteous. Say righteous. Heaven is righteous because if God is holy and if God is perfect and if God is righteous, then it only makes sense that where he dwells is full and it is overflowing with righteousness too. So heaven will definitely be the home to all that is good and right. Plus we said that one of the greatest blessings of heaven is what literally will not be there. And see, in heaven, there will be no more death. In heaven, there will be no more disease. In heaven, there will be no more trials. There will be no hardship or tribulations. There will be uh, uh, no suffering. And there will definitely be no more diets. 
Glory to God. Those are hard, man. Number three, heaven is relational. We said that the best part of heaven is, is who we actually get to spend eternity with. And so we will personally, you and I, if we choose Jesus, if we choose heaven, we will personally live in our forever home for all of eternity with our heavenly father. And we get to experience God. We get to experience him in all of his fullness. And so you and I will get to know him as he is. See, we serve a God so, so overflowing with wonders, the wonders of God, right? so overflowing with wonders that uh, the, their viewing requires an eternity, a God whose beauty actually enhances with proximity. And so never again will you feel distant from God and never again will God feel distant from us. His home will literally be our eternal home, forever home. And so in Christ, heaven will be our address. That's awesome. Now this week, I want to talk about that other place. So when was the last time you actually heard an entire sermon on the subject of hell? And, and listen, I really want you to think about it. I'm not talking about a, just a, a reference to hell. I, I'm not talking about in some secret code, but straight up like let's talk about hell. And listen, it's definitely not a Sunday morning uh, uh, shout message. It's definitely not a Sunday morning favorite for anyone, but it's very necessary. How many of you know it's necessary? See, in my lifetime, believe it or not, I can probably count on one hand whole sermons, entire sermons or lessons about the subject of hell. And three or four of those times were actually in Bible college a long, 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 long time ago. And yet the Bible has plenty to say about hell. And so does Jesus. Today, as we unpack this second message from our eternity series, my main goal today is to help you to gain a better understanding of what hell is really all about, to make sure that you and others avoid it, amen, that you avoid it, and hopefully my desire is to stir up a passion in all of us to lead people to the cross, amen, and to rescue them for Jesus. So let's see exactly what we can learn about our, uh, in our text about hell. Go to Mark chapter 9, verses 43 to 48. This is the word of the Lord. Beginning at verse 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Say never. Verse 44, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Verse 45, and if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Verse 47. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Listen, this text will be our starting point this morning, but as we keep moving along, I'm going to be sharing lots of scripture this morning, supporting scriptures about hell to show you in more detail what we need to know about this other eternal destination. Again, it's very important this morning that you know because uh, ignorance is not an option. Amen. And so the first thing I want to point out is uh, lots of notes for the taking if you want. The first thing I want to point out is that the Bible gives us three main words to describe hell. And those three words are Sheol, Hades, and Gehenna. Sheol, Hades, and Gehenna. Now, Sheol is the Hebrew word for hell, and Hades is the Greek word but also used for hell. But both Sheol and Hades refer to the same exact place. As far as we know, Gehenna 
is the Greek version of a Hebrew phrase that has roots in the Old Testament, but we know that it was used by Jesus Christ to describe hell in our text. So every time you saw me where I read hell, the word that is specifically being used there is Gehenna. In the Greek, if I were to, to trans, you know, uh, transcribe that into the Greek, when you got to everywhere I read hell in our text, the word there is Gehenna. The word Gehenna is also used in the book of James to refer to hell. To keep it simple, in the Old Testament, Sheol refers to the place where all people go after they die. Say all. So in, in the Old Testament, when they spoke of Sheol, that was the afterlife. That was the place where both the righteous and the unrighteous went to Sheol. And so we know from Scripture, just one example, King David actually thought of himself uh, going to Sheol one day. But he also taught that the wicked go to a place in Sheol too. Obviously, there, uh, we know that the righteous understood that Sheol was a place of rest and worship for them. But they also knew that they also knew that Sheol, there was a place in Sheol that was reserved for punishment and suffering of the wicked. And again, there was there's more to this concept of Sheol that has yet to be revealed, that was yet to be revealed to us, but we're gonna talk more about that next week. Now, uh, listen, although we said that Sheol and Hades are the same place, there is a noticeable difference the way these words are used in the Old Testament versus how they are used in the New Testament. I want you to follow along here. You see, Jesus' victory, how many of you know that Jesus had victory? Jesus' victory over death, hell, and the grave right after the resurrection, it provided a new liberty for the righteous that had died and were still waiting for their Messiah in Sheol or in Hades. And so imagine this, you are an Old Testament believer, you followed the law, you lived your right righteously, the right way, according to God's word, and one day your life ended. And so you knew that when your life ended, you were going to go to Sheol, but listen, all of your life as a believer, as a follower of Jehovah God, your greatest hope, your greatest aspiration was to one day see your Messiah, to one day be able to meet him and to be able to be saved or delivered by him. And in, in Sheol, that hope, that expectation continued. And so Jesus, I love it, Jesus knowing exactly what he was about to do on the cross, knowing exactly what he was about to accomplish in the grave and after, we know that during his earthly ministry, he does not teach that the righteous go to Sheol or Hades after they die. And if you don't believe me, search the scriptures for yourself. Whenever he spoke of eternity, whenever he talked about the end, we know that, that he didn't talk about the righteous going there. Instead, we know that Jesus taught that his followers will one day be with him in heaven. And listen, this was a big deal because it was a major shift from what was being taught previously about Sheol and Hades. This was a massive change in theology. And it pointed to the fact that Jesus is the promised Messiah and that he came to save his people. For that reason, we know that in the New Testament, Hades is now only a place of suffering and judgment for the wicked, and we can truly call it hell as we know it today. And so while Sheol and Hades, they still share the same address. They still share the same location down under, right? When we talk about hell, it's, it's down under. We, we know from 1 Peter and Ephesians 4 that when Jesus died, it is alluded that Jesus descended into Sheol and Hades and he actually preached the gospel to the captives in the afterlife. It, again, it's alluded to in the scriptures and he, we know that he brought the righteous up to their forever home in heaven. And so they were waiting for their promised Messiah in Sheol. They were expecting that they will one day meet him and after Jesus died in the grave we know that it, he goes down into the pit and rescues them here i am i am your messiah 
I bring you life everlasting. He brought them up. Again, because Jesus, the saved, will now go directly to heaven with their Savior when they die, not to Sheol any longer. That's the truth. Back to our text, the writer uses the word Gehenna. Try to say that with me, Gehenna. So Gehenna is used to describe hell, we said. It's important for us to remember that in our text, those are the words of Jesus talking about the hell that you and I need to avoid. And so right now, I want us to look at the description of hell that Jesus provided for us and state for a fact that number one, hell is an actual place. Hell is a real, actual place. Number one, and so the Bible speaks of a very literal place called hell. And sadly, it's a place that many, many people will go when they die. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says that the gate is wide and the road is wide. Another translation says that the road is broad that leads to hell. And many, many people enter through the gate. I'm not trying to overemphasize it. You've got to know that that road to hell is big and and wide and broad, and the road to heaven is very narrow. It is a, a small way to life. But we know that, that because of that stress on the many, because of that stress on the broad gate, a people will say that hell contradicts God's love and mercy. So you know what? We shouldn't talk or, or preach about it. But the truth is, listen, I, I need you to hear this this morning. The truth is our sin, my sin, your sin demands the judgment of a holy God. Sin separates us. He's holy, he's good, he's perfect, we're not. It demands the judgment of God. And the punishment for sin is eternal separation from God. That's the punishment. And yet because of the love and the mercy of God, he has allowed us to hear the gospel. He has allowed us to hear the presentation of the truth so that you and I, here and now, in this life, we can choose heaven or hell. Prior to sentencing. So we must preach the truth for that to happen. I want us to look right now at hell's reality. A, hell's reality. See, the truth is that God's word speaks of the reality of hell. And, and so there is no way, listen, there is no way that we can question the existence of hell without also questioning the authority and the inspiration of the Bible. Either what the Bible says about hell is the truth or the whole Bible is garbage. Others believe that Hell is a, an outdated belief that shouldn't be taught in the church anymore. Some even believe that preaching about hell should be minima, minima, minimized because we should, try to, we, we should never try to scare people into heaven. In fact, in an article called Whatever Happened to Hell, it states that many people think that a fear of hell is both outdated and a terrible motive for moving people toward Jesus Christ. But in response... The writer says this, upon hearing the rattle of a huge diamondback snake, who in the world is going to stand and debate against the persuasive power of fear? Here comes the snake. Oh, let's debate. Am I scared? Am I not? Am I going to move? The snake is headed right towards you. You're going to pet it, right? You're going to grab it and put it around your neck, right? It's a diamondback. It's going to hurt you. I have a feeling you will react to the snake. He continues, and so if running for one's life makes sense in the presence of a snake, how much more should we respond to the soul-threatening reality of hell? The truth is, if we neglect to, to tell the bad news, some people won't listen to the good news. Listen this morning and every day of your life, we need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. We cannot sway from it. We cannot go elsewhere. We cannot close our ears to it. You must hear. We must hear the truth even when it's uncomfortable. It's also been noted that in his earthly ministry, listen, this is a point, Jesus made more references to hell and judgment than he did to heaven. 
What are you saying, Pastor? He spoke about hell and judgment more than he did of heaven. And so how many of you know that that means it was important to Jesus that we know about hell? It was important. Jesus lived with the reality of hell. In fact, Jesus died on Calvary because he knew that hell was actual, uh, that it was an actual and a very horrible place. So again, hell is a reality. And until we, we come to grips with this truth and preach it boldly, we will fail to see people coming to Christ. Evangelist D.L. Moody was once approached by a British companion who wanted to know the secret of his success to leading people to Christ. And Moody directed the man to, to view the people outside of his hotel window. And when he showed him and what he showed him revealed why he had so much success in his ministry. Listen, he stated, I see people going to hell without Jesus. And until you see people like that, you will not lead them to Christ. Hell is a powerful motivator in both preaching about Jesus Christ and in receiving Jesus as one Savior. See, the Bible is very clear. God's Word teaches us that there is an actual place called hell, and the reality of hell should seriously warn us to avoid it. And so if hell is real, and it is, then who will actually be there? Let's talk about that. If hell is real, then who will actually reside there, be the residents, hell's residents? Jesus told us very plainly who hell was created for. How many of you know that? He told us very plainly. In Matthew 25, 41, he says that everlasting fire was prepared. Say prepared. One more time, prepared. Everlasting fire was prepared for who? For the devil and his angels. So who was heaven, hell prepared for? The devil and his angels, the demons, right? Sadly, there are others in hell too. Psalm 917 tells us that the wicked shall be turned into hell. Isaiah 66, 24 says, The dead bodies of the people that sinned against God will be judged and affected by worms that never die and fire that never goes out. Sound familiar? It's Because it is. Listen, the bottom line is this. Everyone, everyone, everyone who rejects God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ will die in their sins and go to hell. It's not popular. It's not preached very often. But we need to know that as the truth. If you reject God's plan of salvation, you're going to die in your sins and go to hell. That is the truth. We need to know that. Who's that talking about? Hitler? The worst of the worst? No. Religious people? Moral people will go to hell? Decent people will go to hell? Some of your friends will go to hell? God forbid some of your family will go to hell? God forbid some of your relatives and family members will go to hell. Essentially, anyone who is not saved is surely headed for destruction and torment in hell with the devil and his angels, so they will end up going to a place that was never created for them. I, and, and, and you need to know this. It is not that they will be lost someday. Hear me. It is not that they will be lost someday. The fact is they are lost today. They are lost right now. And the wrath of God already dwells on them unless they turn to Jesus before they die. And so hell is an actual place. God's word speaks of the reality of hell. The residents that chose to be there are doomed forever. Say forever. I want us to examine closer what that doom looks like. Number two, hell is an awful place. Hell is an awful place. In our text, Jesus speaks of fires, worms, and hell. All together. 
He, he even uses some pretty graphic language to describe that awful place. In fact, five times in our text, Jesus said that hell is a place where fire is never quenched or put out or extinguished. Then three times we see that hell is a place where the worm does not die. I, listen, I already mentioned earlier that, that that word Gehenna is translated as hell, but what exactly is the background behind that word that makes it different? Uh, where do we get the, the vivid descriptions of hell that we have? Uh, does the word Gehenna have a deeper meaning that will help us to today in 2023 to understand hell a little bit better? It does. It absolutely does. See, in the Old Testament, Gehenna was actually called the Valley of Hinnom or Gehinnom. It was a deeply, a deep and narrow valley outside of Jerusalem. So it was a place. In Jeremiah's time, it was actually associated with the sinful worship of the foreign god Molech and human sacrifice by the people of Israel. Gehinnom, the, the, what was going on there, the worship of Molech, the, uh, the sacrifices of, of their children, of their people by the children of Israel. Listen, begin to put the picture together because it is Jesus speaking about Gehenna and this is the kind of the association. A little later on, the valley uh, was also used for burning the bodies and carcasses of human criminals and animals. And so Gehenna, there have been things dying in Gehenna for a very long time. Plus, refuse or, or nasty waste of any kind was burned in Gehenna. Gehenna was actually the, the garbage dump of Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. It's been said the site was horrible uh, there. The air was polluted there. And so to control the volume of the waste and partly to manage the odor of rotting garbage, it was necessary to keep fires burning continually, daily. That was Gehenna. It was basically an enormous burning garbage dump packed with every kind of waste imaginable. It was a place where, listen, human flesh and animal flesh were rotting a place where garbage was perpetually degrading. Some of you, those are just words to you. I don't know, how. has anybody ever burned themselves? Has anybody, listen, has anybody ever smelled what burned hair smells like? Uh, listen, and this is gonna be graphic and nasty. I'll say it real quick. There was one summer as a teenager, uh, a dog in my neighborhood, a very big dog was hit uh, by, by a car, left there, and uh, nobody knew about it, and that car, Marcus rotted in the heat of summer and uh, we kept calling we, uh, for the city to come and take it away but I will never forget because I had to walk to and from and I tried to walk around and, but I could be 20, 30, 40 feet away and the bloated smell of that rotting carcass permeated everything. Think of Gehenna. Gehenna is what Jesus said hell is like. That's a good comparison. See, hell is also a place of rotting flesh. Hell is also a place where uh, crawling with worms, but in hell you never die. A place of never-ending burning flesh where the smoke and smell never cease to fill the air. And hell is sadly and tragically a place reserved for those who reject Jesus Christ and both the torment and regret of that important decision continues to haunt them in hell for all eternity. Pastor Freddie, this is dark. This is sad. It is. It is. Newsflash. Hell is a place you don't want to you don't want to go to. Hell is a place you don't want as your forever home. 
Remember, whatever happens in hell is perpetual or never ending. And so burning, burning, burning for infinity. Regret, regret for infinity. Never dying while you burn. That all by itself sounds horrifying. But a hell is also awful because of the damnation. A damnation. John 3.18 says that he who does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. John 3.36 says he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Basically, the unbeliever will experience the awful horrors of hell for all eternity. Why? Because they chose, they chose... They chose not to follow Jesus. And listen, that right there is doom and damnation in a nutshell. Listen, I know we know this. Sadly, many people are blind to their own spiritual condition today. They are dead on the inside. They do not sense God in any way. They can't see the glories of God which have been revealed in the world through Jesus Christ. You come into a service like this. The Holy Spirit is moving. The presence of God is here. If they were here and separated from God, no relationship, they might say, oh wow, they're singing. They're a little off key. Oh, they're not professional like the band I saw last week or whatever. But there's no sense of the, the presence of God. They're lost. They're in that condition. They are separated from the Lord. They do not know it. They do not know that they need to come to Jesus. And this is a preview of damnation. Listen, in hell, their separation will be made painfully clear. You see, to be separated from God here on earth is horrible. Some of you, your heart is broken for your loved ones, for their separation, right? To be separated from God here on earth is horrible. But listen, to be separated from God's love, from His mercy, from His grace, from His glory, from the hope that He gives for all eternity is beyond all description. And yet that is the fate of every single lost sinner who dies without Jesus Christ. What a horrible thought. Hell is an awful place because of damnation, but it's also awful because of duration. We've already said it a few times. How long is hell? How long is eternity? There are many people who believe that hell is probably real. They say it's likely an actual place, but sadly they believe that time served there will be short in duration. Some even believe that, yeah, sure, I'm going to live however I live. I'm not going to believe in heaven. I'm just going to go to hell. And, uh, you know, when this life is over, I'm going to burn up quickly and I'm going to be gone right away. It's just going to be short and quick. And if that were the case, if that were true, then hell might be tolerated by some because there's an end in sight. But the Bible teaches the opposite. Hell is real. Hell is eternal. Over and over, God's word equates hell with an everlasting fire. Our text even said that the, the worms eating the dead bodies won't ever die. That's kind of gross and terrifying at the same time. Pastor Freddie, please stop. No, I'm not. Eternity is a very long time. The duration makes hell an awful place, but it gets worse. There's the documentation. See, in a court of law, you need evidence and documents to prove a case. Well, when we take the time, actually take the time to see what the Bible has to say about hell, it's easy to see the, the, the awful nature of the place. Matthew twenty two thirteen says, The king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so hell is a place of outer darkness. It's a place of continuous, say continuous. Weeping and gnashing or grinding of teeth. Second Samuel 22.6 says, The sorrows of hell come past me about. The snares of death prevented me. So hell is a place where you will be surrounded by disturbing sorrows. You'll actually feel trapped by the sorrow of death 
in hell forever and ever. Luke 16, 23 says, And in hell he lift up his eyes. Being in torment, so hell is a place of numerous torments, and hell will feel like you hit rock bottom looking up because you have. But in hell, there are no second chances. In hell, there are no opportunities to get back up, to rise back up, to start again when it's over, it's over, and over, and ever, and ever. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Hell is a place of never-ending destruction and eternal separation from God's presence and power. Listen, some people don't understand that is a big deal. That is a big deal that even when you're not saved or serving the Lord, you come around Christians, you come around other believers and you sense, you sense a, a sense of peace or, or happiness and, and joy. In hell, there will be none of that. Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall, be, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So hell is a place where men will be tormented with eternal fire and brimstone. That brimstone, by the way, is sulfur. And so the place, hell, will be filled with a foul stench. Hell is also a place of eternal eternal spiritual death in addition to physical death. Pastor Freddie, wrap it up. <laughs> Revelation 9-2 says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So hell is a bottomless pit-like furnace filled with smoke. Revelation 14-11 says, And the smoke of their torments ascends. How long? Forever and ever and listen they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image whoever receives the mark of his name so hell is a place of eternal flaming torment and there is never any rest there so no rest for the weary no rest for the wicked no rest no rest no rest revelation 20:14 says death and hell were cast into the lake of fire Hell is bad, right? As bad as hell is, it's going to get worse in the lake of fire. By now, I hope you can see hell is an awful place because of damnation. Hell is an awful place because of duration. Hell is an awful place because of documentation. Nobody should ever, ever want to make it their forever home. In fact, we should avoid hell at all costs. So hell is an actual place and hell is an awful place. But thank God! Hell is an avoidable place. What does that mean? You don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. Hey, the pathway to, to, to avoiding hell, listen, twice in our text, verses 43 and 45, Jesus refers to entering into life or entering life. Verse 47, he switches it up and talks about entering the kingdom of God. I want to remind you this morning, that Jesus says in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, the life. Not a way, not one of many truths or my truth, not a kind of a life, the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. In our text, Mark chapter, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus is actually telling us how to avoid hell. He's telling us that there's a better way. How many of you know that there's a better way? By recommending that you and I, we enter into faith relationship with him. We can avoid hell. Your loved ones can avoid hell. Our friends can avoid hell. Uh, listen, I don't know about you. Take the pass. Take the pass. Share it with others. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if, say if, one more time, if, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? 
For with the heart I, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So basically you, you admit that you sinned, you're messed up, you're broken, turn away from that sin. You repent, then you believe with your heart that God sent Jesus to pay the price, to die in your place, to die for your sins. We know that he did that on the cross. We know that he went into the grave, but he rose up from the grave on the third day and he wants to be our Lord and Savior. How many of you know he wants to be our Lord and Savior? Amen. Finally, we confess with our mouth to the whole world. We do that during baptism. We're, we're trying to have some baptisms. If you're saved, sign up for baptism. But listen, we want to tell the whole world, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and commit to live for him for the rest of your life. That's how we avoid Hell, listen, it's very much avoidable. The pathway to avoiding hell is only through faith in the Savior. Finally, let's wrap it up. A worship team, would you come? Be the price of avoiding hell. The price of avoiding hell. I want us to look at the price. In our text, you may have noticed that Jesus Christ said some pretty graphic things about amputating body parts. And, and it seems a little bit extreme, doesn't it? Cutting, like, uh, cutting off your hands, cutting off your feet, plucking your eyes out, graphic, serious, like what in the world? That's like a, a horror nightmare. But listen, Jesus is using this language to emphasize how serious and intentional we should all be about steering clear of sin to avoid hell. Remember, when we truly come to Jesus, we have to cut and pluck our ties with sin as a chosen lifestyle. We surrender all to Jesus daily because that's what being a Christian is all about. Listen, I know that getting saved will probably not require you to pluck out your eye, cut off your hand, or cut off your foot. Thank God. Anybody say, thank God. But it might require something a little harder. It might require you to deal with your pride. It might require you to deal with yourself so that you can actually come to Jesus. It might require you to break off some relationships uh, with the wrong friends or people who will badly influence you in this life. But listen, whatever is in your life that would prevent you from being saved is not worth going to hell over. How many of you say amen to that? Whatever is in your life that would prevent you from being saved is not worth going to hell. Whether it's a relationship, a sin habit, family, friends, pride, whatever. It must be cut out of your life so that you can get to God. That's the price of avoiding hell. Remember, Jesus paid the entire price for your salvation. And you and I, we, we can be saved today without charge. It's the gift of God's salvation. But coming to Jesus will almost certainly cost you dearly as you take steps to cut off sin. And yet I want you to know as we close today, whatever price you have to pay, it is worth the cost. Philippians 3.8, we're going to end with this. Yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else is what? Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ. Stand to your feet. Everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless. Can we close our eyes this morning? I want to I wanna pray. I want to pray. Listen, I get it. I know in a, a church even this size that many of us have come to Christ. Many of us have surrendered 
We are living for Jesus, praise God. But listen, we need messages like this to be reminded that your neighbor might not be in a good place. Your loved one, your son, your daughter, your spouse might not be saved. They might not be living for Jesus. And, and, and for some, we, we've lived with that reality for so long. We're kind of used to it. We, we go to church. They don't. We, we read the Bible. They don't. We, we love and worship Jesus. They don't. And it just kind of becomes the status quo. But it's serious, man. It's serious. God help us. We're talking about eternity. You're forever home. <clears throat> I don't want to have the mindset that, I, you know what, I'm all, I'm all set. I'm all set. I'm going to heaven. I, I get to worship. I get to feel the presence of God. I, I know where I'm going. I'm all set. God help us with that mindset. There are people who are not all set. That's why we, re, we do outreach. That's why we share our testimony. That's why we live openly with our faith in this world so that others can know there's a better way. And so listen, I'm just going to be straightforward this morning. If you can hear me this morning, if you have heard this long, drawn-out message on the subject of hell, if you have heard more scriptures about hell than you care to know maybe in your lifetime, but you are here and you heard me, now listen, this is heavy. You are responsible for what you have heard to act upon it, to say, you know what, Pastor Freddie? I've heard it before, but maybe not like that. I've heard it before and I've dismissed it, but you know what, Pastor Freddie? I'm sitting here, I'm standing here uh, in this church and, and I, you know what? I'm gonna ask you the question that was asked to me many, many years ago and it was a question that changed my life forever. See, I was religious. Uh, I grew up in a certain way. I had gone to church. Uh, I had done my best to live a good life. But one day somebody asked me, if you were to die today, if you were to die in 2023 today on this Sunday, would you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven would you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are covered that you are washed in the blood that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and so heaven is your eternal home do you know that for sure this morning that's my question to you do you know that for sure do you know that for sure and listen if you if you don't there's no shame because now you've heard now you can change that. Now you can make that choice. Now you can make that decision. And listen, I know that in, in, a, in a service like this, there's lots of distractions. There's lots of thoughts that come to mind. You, 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 you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want any attention or focus on you. But I need you to know right now that just as Jesus died openly before the world, he wants you to make a choice openly and before the world. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity if you're here this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus so that you can avoid hell, so that heaven can be your eternal home. We're not, you know what? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. If you want to say yes to Jesus, he did it boldly on the cross. I want us to do it boldly this morning. If there's only one, we, that, is, that is a rejoicing in heaven. Is there one here who would say yes to Jesus? A hand up high. Hand up high, boldly. Is there one more? Glory to God. Is there any more? There's another. Listen, I don't want you to miss it. If you are in any doubt this morning, if you are like shaky on your faith, I, I, well, I'm not sure. Hey, you can know for sure and you can do it this morning. I saw those hands and right now we're going to pray and make a commitment. Right now we're going to pray. We're going to say yes to Jesus. We're going to say, I mean business with God. Would you do that with me now? And listen, the rest of us, we're going to do it with you, all right? We're going to do it with you. Say, Jesus, nice and loud. I need you. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I've lived in sin for long enough. I've committed my life to living my own way. 
and it's hopeless without you, Jesus. So I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Wash me. Save me. Make me new. Right now, all of heaven rejoices. Listen, it's just words unless you mean it with your heart. If you're serious and you meant it with all of your heart, all of heaven rejoices. Uh, you are redeemed. You are saved. You have avoided hell. Heaven is your eternal home. And it's all because of Jesus. It's the gift of God. Amen? Amen. Put your hands together. Let's, let's thank the Lord for salvation. And that's just the beginning. That's just the start. Listen, some people, they, they do that and they drop it there and, and they go back to doing what they're... You can't do that. You're brand new. You've been washed in the blood. From this day forward, you've got to live for Jesus. You've got to live for Jesus. You've got to, you know, get, get a Bible. We have Bibles at the Welcome Center. Free, yours, yours free of charge. You can have it. Begin to read the Bible. Begin to be faithful to God in church. Begin to worship Him. Take your first steps. Walk with Jesus, not just today, not just this prayer, but more, more, more. And listen, I want to pray, Father, in the, in the name of Jesus. Lord, for us that are saved and redeemed and we're going to heaven, I pray that you would give us a, a burden for our loved ones that don't know Jesus. I pray, God, that we would get creative in inviting people to hear the gospel. I pray, Lord, that we would use all of the media and all of the resources and all of the, the fellowships and opportunities. God, that when we can invite someone who is not saved to be exposed to Christianity, to hear the gospel, to hear the good news, to hear the, the message of hope. I pray, God, that you would help us to take it. We take the past and we share it with somebody else. We take the past and we share it. Take the past and we share it. God, help us with that. In Jesus' name, God, help us. Listen, I'm going to challenge you. God's going to give you some, some divine appointments, some opportunities. Share your story. Share your Jesus story. God will use you. Let's close in worship.